I know that I know that today I'm walking into the promise that the Lord gave me many, many years ago. Today, I'm walking into it. Finally, I'm giving, I'm surrendering it. Surrendering my will to his will. Now, I did write notes on my iPad. Um, So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 26, and I'm going to read 18 through 22. And if I had to title this, I would have to, I would say disruption in the flow. Um, and I'm going to be very, very apparent, and I'm glad that Brother Moore, Reverend Moore, I'm sorry, Charlie, um, that he said what he said, because what I'm about to say are some personal things of mine that if I don't tell the story, you won't understand why the disruption in the flow. Um, so well, let, let's read Genesis 26 through, through 18 through 22. Let me put my glasses so I can see. Um, and it says, Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called him. He just recalled them the same old stuff. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. The herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. For that they strove not. And he called the name of of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. The Lord gave me that probably about a month ago. No, it's been a little while longer. And when he did, he had, I, I had to ask, it's like, Lord, why, why did he have such a hard time re- reopening or opening new wells? Why did he first have to go back to his father's well and unstop it? The Lord said, and when I ask things, I should know by now. The Lord doesn't, isn't just going to tell me. He's going to put me through it so I understand it. Um, so the Lord said, I, I want you to look back at where you came from. As I looked back, I can sincerely say that I was freed from Egypt. I can look back. And I think of, I was in ministry there. I was head of the ladies' ministry, did a lot, a lot, a lot of things, just many, many, many things. Um, But busyness does not equal, does not equal, it doesn't equal, it doesn't equal faith. It doesn't equal 
It doesn't equal anything, really. You're just busy. We were taught there that you serve the people. And don't get me wrong. I know Christianity is serving the people. But we were taught there that you serve the people to please the people. You don't offend. You don't offend anyone because we don't want to lose them. And so being taught that, people come up, would come up to me and say, hey, can you do this? Can you do this for me? It was always decorating, decorating this, de- baby showers, wedding showers, you, you name it, decorating. Weddings, we did even weddings. And I never felt that I could say no because I thought this is ministry. That's what I thought. I thought this is ministry. And the years went by and I thought and I got to a place where I was, I wanted more. I thought, Lord, I'm not getting any younger. I'm not getting any younger. And I feel like I'm wasting my time. If this is ministry, then why do I feel so dry? Why am I not reaching lives? All they wanted was for me to do something and then bye-bye. They didn't want they didn't see God in any of it. They didn't want God. I had to go back. When I came here, I came here with some perceptions of ministry that were completely wrong. So I had to go back to my well because I had stopped it up with some things that I had picked up along the way. I had picked up some perceptions, some ideas of what ministry should be that were not biblical. So I had to go back to that well of eight years and face up to what I had done. And I could say I could blame ministry, but I'm not going to do that because it was up to me. I know how to read my Bible. I know how to pray. So it was my responsibility to, to check that out, and I didn't. I just followed blindly. I had to go back. The Lord took me back. And he said, look, these ideas of yours are not matching up with your shepherd. He said, you're going to have to go back. And you're going to have to unstop it so the flow can go again. So the flow can, can, can start up again. He says, you're going. So I, I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to undo that. I don't know that I can undo it. But I'm willing to listen to what my shepherd has to say. And I'm willing to obey. And that's key, folks. There's been many of services where I, I, I have come and I thought, and I'll go home and I tell my husband, man, Bishop was on fire today. And I do what with it? Nothing. Key, the key thing to living for God is to hear your shepherd. And not just to hear it, but to take it with you and apply it to your life. So I, I started listening to Bishop. And the first time he said consecrate, I thought, hmm, okay. How many years? I've been in truth for 20 years. 20 years, 22 years. 
How many years have I not prayed that, Lord, search my heart, cleanse it, renew in me a right spirit? How many times? But Bishop said something. He said, you ask the Lord to show you what your sin is, to show you those hidden things in you that are not right. I went home and I tried it. My goodness. When you ask, you shall receive. It's no joke. It's no joke, y'all. <laughs> it's no joke. So my first well, so I go back to my first well. My first well, I had to repent from all that. And I remember Sister Ruthie saying something about um, she, when she preached one time. She said she cried like a wounded animal. Oh, my word, did I understand that. Because I cried like a wounded animal. Repenting, repenting, because... Eight years of my life, I had been wronged. I did it with a sincere heart, thinking I was helping people, but I was sincerely wrong. And I had to go back and repent because it had become sin before God. That's why my well had stopped up. Then I hear Bishop say, consecration. So I tried that. And I asked the Lord, Lord, show me. I have family. We're first generation I have family that is not saved. A lot of we're first generation. I have been talking to my brother, and my brother, he doesn't know where truth starts and lies, or lies end and truth starts. And he was just a talking and a talking and a talking. I thought, oh my word, brother, get off the phone. But he's my only brother, so I have to love him. Um. And when I asked the Lord about my consecration, he said, I want to, there's some things in you, and I'm going to show you. Some things, some things that are in us are generational curses. They're things that we have learned from growing up, from watching our parents interact, from watching our grandparents just family generation things that you pick up and you really don't know that it's there until you ask the Lord, show me. Trust me when I say, I don't think that I'm better than my family, but because I have a walk with God, I thought, I'm nothing like that. And my goodness, when he showed me, it was full-blown, like, boom, here you are. And I'm acting in it. And I'm like, I was taken back because I thought, oh, I did not know that was in me. I didn't know. And I'm just going to tell you all because you're a church family. I told a lie to save, to save my neck. And I thought, you might think, oh, it's just a little, no, 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 no. A lie is a lie is a lie. When I said it, I felt the conviction, and I'm grateful for conviction. I am absolutely grateful for conviction. I had to, I went home and I cried myself. I was like, Lord, you've got to forgive me. You've got to deliver me from this because I want absolutely nothing that'll stop the flow. If I'm about to dig some new wells, Lord, then I want nothing right. in my life 
to stop the flow. Are there generational curses? Most definitely. And I could take you to Genesis 48 and 9. And we'll read that real quick. I had to put my eyes on again. Um, it stings to get old, doesn't it? You can't see without your 48 and 9. And it says, And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. And then we skip down to 13 and 14. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward his Israel's left hand, and Manasseh, Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them into, near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and left the hand upon his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hand wittingly for Manasseh. Manasseh was the firstborn. Do you get the picture? Do you get the picture? Yeah, Jacob. He had done it. His mother had taught him how, his mother taught him to take the firstborn blessing. She taught him how to cheat. She taught him how to lie. He goes back and tries to do it with the grandsons. Generational curse. Something that he had learned along the way. And then it comes to, let me see, let's read 17 through 20. And when Joseph saw that, that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father. For this is the firstborn, put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He was like, mm, ain't no big deal. I'm going to do it the way I was taught. This was my tradition. This is how I was taught to do it. This is how I learned to do it. No big deal. Generational curses run deep. They run deep. And it's not until you're willing to want to walk closer with the Lord that you start asking, Lord, show me these things. And so it goes to say that Joseph said, no, Dad, don't, you know, we're not going to do it like that. Um, So I go, so then I think, all right, Lord, well, I know for sure that Joseph went through it. and, And Joseph said, no, no. And I know for sure that he was delivered, that Joseph beat the generational curse. And I can, I can show you that in Joshua 17 and 1. And we'll go there real quick. It says, there was a lot. There was also a lot. They're distributing property. There was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh is the firstborn. For he was firstborn of Joseph, to wit from Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war. Therefore, he had Gilead and Bashan. Manasseh was firstborn. He received double portion 
which tells me, the double portion of a firstborn, which tells me that Joseph beat the curse because now his, his first son was getting his, his double portion the way it should have been. Um, and if you want to know, let me, let me read this real quick. Um, Gilead means a heap of stones of testimony. And these are the two lands that he got. And Bashan means a fertile land. So he was blessed. He was blessed. So I go to say this, church. Consecration is a way of life. It's not a one-time deal. It is, it is, a, it is a, 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 um, a process that we go to in our lifetime, not just one time, in our lifetime. We've learned consecration, and it's just like if you think about it, any time that the Lord would ask Israel, if, when he would prepare them to go to war, he would first tell them consecrate because he knew that if they were going to win this war, he was going to have to go before them. And he couldn't go before them if there was sin in the camp. You know? So I say this, and I, and I say it because it's my, own, it's my own testimony. I'm at war. I'm at war. And I'm warring anything that will stand in my way before God. Anything that will try to come and separate me. From the path that the Lord has put me on. Warring usually. When two nations war. Usually it's for power. And for territory. I want power. The Lord's power. Manifested in me. And why do I want it? Not for my own benefit. But I want it because. There's territories. There's territories that the Lord has given us already, that he has spoken it. But we have to first get out of, get all that sin and all that junk that we thought has been piled on, that we've picked up along the way. Things that we learned along the way that we thought, this is good. But in the, in the stage and the phase that we're in right now, it's not good. It might have been good eight years ago. But now... It's a different time, and it's a different season. And when I say it's key to listen to the shepherd, it is key. I go home, and everything that he says or speaks on Wednesdays and Sundays, I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to try this. Bishop has been talking about consecration. He's been talking about um, being vigilant about the, with the wiles of the devil because he is conniving and very tricky i've been very very careful there's been times that i'll tell you and i I, when we were staying with brother and sister Moore, my hubby and i have been like boof and i thought oh my word what in the world is this we hardly ever argue or fight you know when you get as old as we are it's like okay you do whatever you want i'll do (laughs) you know and there was some stress there. And I find and the light bulb went on. The Lord turned on the light bulb. And he's like, hey, child of mine. He calls me child of mine. Hey, child of mine. 
The wiles, what did your preacher say? The wiles, the wiles of the devil. Be careful. Be careful. So I've been practicing being careful. Then Bishop has said something about the other day about Azusa Street. And I thought, oh, my word. I was excited because the Lord had planted an idea in my head. And he said, we are, we are in the process. We are in the process. We're walking and we're dumping stuff. We're shedding stuff so that we can put on word. We're in the process of this war because at the end of it is victory for us. And I believe with all my heart, I believe with everything that's in me that what happened on Azusa Street is going to start here on Utopia Lane among the people here. It's going to start here. But the Lord's preparing us. That's why we see the battles and we see and we're going through things because he's preparing us. He's removing some things so we can put on word. And all we have to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The next step, the next well, yes, Lord. I'll dig this one here too. You show me what to do, what to, what to take away, what to, how to dig it, and we're going. Because he has said, go. There, I've heard, there was tongues and interpretation not too long ago, right, Bishop, where somebody said, go. I have said, go. I don't have very much more, but I'll tell you this. The Lord gave me Isaiah 36, 4 and 5. Then the Assyrian king's chief of staff told them to give the message to King Hezekiah. And this is what he said. He said, this is what the great king of Assyria says. And he said, what are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? What are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? So I leave you with this question. What are you trusting in? Where is your confidence? My confidence is in the word of God. He has said it, and I'm standing upon it. That's my confidence. That's our power. That's our confidence. He has said it, so we're walking. We're walking, and we will be victorious. In Jesus' name. Because there's a world out there. I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see the lame walk. There's a world out there waiting for us. They're waiting for us to get up and make, get a made-up mind that I'm going to do what it's going to take. Because, because there's lives. There's lives out there waiting for us. It's not, it's not a season of patty cake anymore, people. It's a season to get real with the Lord and allow him to do what he needs to do. Shed it, Lord. Shed it, Lord, so I can go to the next well. Shed it, Lord, because there's people waiting on us. Oh, Lord. This was my first step into trusting the Lord today.
I fought it for many, many years. Never told a soul what uh, my dream that the Lord had spoken to me because I thought, there's no way, Lord. You know what I'm like. You know my capabilities. But my focus was on me. No longer. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care anymore. It's about his will, not me. His will. And I want to be pleasing unto him. It's about his will. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't matter, Lord. It doesn't matter what it takes, Lord. It doesn't matter, dear Jesus. We just want to go where you are taking us, Lord. We want to go, dear Jesus. Oh, Lord, I submit my everything to you, Lord. My every thought, my every emotion, Lord, my will unto to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, because you are worthy, Master. Because you are worthy, Jesus. Oh, Lord, your will, your perfect will, Lord, your perfect will, Lord. 